Good morning. Welcome. Come on in. Have a seat. Sure glad to see everybody this morning. It's a great day to worship the Lord. I hope that you're ready to worship God today. Uh, we've got a few things this week, but uh, one of them is not Wednesday night. So <laughs> there's no nothing going on Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night, and not the following Wednesday night. So for the next two Wednesdays, there won't be any free dinner, unfortunately. But uh, you can come if you want, but there just won't be anyone here. So then uh, this, this Sunday, this next Saturday, I'm sorry, it's Christmas Eve. So if you haven't got your presents, you should get that done. And then uh, come to church at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. So we'll have a service here. It's a great time to invite your family and friends and just uh, come and, and uh, celebrate with us at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. And then Christmas Day, the next day, we'll, be, we'll have church here at 10 o'clock in the morning. So come at 10 in the morning, bring your family, and let's uh, celebrate the Savior. And then the, the next week after Christmas is what we call church vacation. And it just means we won't be, church won't be open really. Uh, the, the, the staff will all be gone, but us pastors, we work that whole week. So um, we'll be there, we'll be around, we'll be available to you, but there won't be anyone to actually help you in the office. So <laughs> that makes sense. If you need something from the pastors, we'll be working. But if you need something actually done, you know, like a, a paper printed or something like that, don't count on us. <laughs> but we could probably help you. Our, our numbers are on the back of this bulletin, and uh, we, we'll, we'll be there. So, uh, Lastly, if you're new here today, man, we're really, really thankful to have you with us. And uh, we, we, we see you as really important as a, as a visitor. Uh, we see you as our guest, and we're just thankful that you're here. And um, hopefully that you know that uh, we're here for you in any way we can be. So welcome. Uh, let's stand up and worship the Lord this morning. God, thank you for bringing us here, Lord. We are here in this room because of you, Lord. You have brought us here. You've, you've found a way in our life, God, to move us to this place this morning. And I pray that we'd be present here this morning with you, that we would put away the, the things in our minds and uh, give you the, the cares of our hearts, Lord, and even be willing to lay our hurts at your feet, God, and just realize as we're present Lord, that you're here, you're present with us, God, and we're here to worship you and, and think about you and dwell on you and hear from you, God. And when we hear from you, from your word, I pray that we would obey you, Lord, and that we'd worship you. Let us worship you now. Amen. Amen. Let's read this passage together that we heard preached last week. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Now in Spanish. Lo que era desde el principio, lo que hemos oído, lo que hemos visto con nuestros ojos, lo que hemos contemplado, y palparon nuestras manos tocante el verbo de vida. Love that word, contemplado. You contemplated Jesus this week. You thought about him. It was sweet to hear John was relating how when he was here on earth, Jesus was here and he looked at him and he touched him and he heard him. And I thought as I contemplated that this week, how there were others that looked at Jesus and heard him, the Pharisees, and they had a different experience with Jesus. There were others who touched Jesus when he was here on earth, thinking of the Roman soldiers who crucified him and whipped him and beat him. And they, of course, had a different experience with Jesus. And so as we hear God's word, as we sing it this morning, how are you going to react? What's going to be your experience with Jesus this morning? 
this Emmanuel, this God with us. Let's sing this song this morning.
brings us such great joy. Isn't God good? We're so blessed. And this Christmas season, let's keep our focus on Jesus. In our Sunday school classes, we've been uh, learning from God's Word. Uh, I know in our class, in our Hispanic class, today we were on uh, John chapter 6, 16. It talked about Jesus walking on the water. And uh, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus Remember Peter, he took his eyes off Jesus and he sunk. We need to keep our eyes focused on on Christ. This morning I'd like us to pray for the country of Portugal. Uh, Our daughter, uh, Lancy and Mario, they, uh, they sent out a letter this last week and God's been working in Portugal through the different churches. Uh, each of the churches have reported that they're, uh, they're growing, uh, and they're also with a vision of starting new churches. So let's pray for the country of Portugal, about 11 million people there. And uh, we've, we've taken teams over there, and we actually, next summer, uh, still have plans for a team to go to Africa, down to Zambia and one to uh, Portugal. So maybe God's calling you to go. We'd love to have you a team. Talk to Pastor Mike and uh, keep praying. Pray that God will raise up two great teams to go out this next summer. Also, I'd like us to pray for... um, Chad and Tammy's daughters here, uh, Lindsay, she'll be going in January, first part of January, off to Kenya, to Nairobi, Kenya, to work in an international school there, and she'll also be part of a mission team that uh, starts churches. So let's pray for Lindsay as well. Let's pray together. Father, you've called us to be men and women of prayer. You've called us through your son, Jesus Christ. Help us to be a witness for you here in Casper and around the world. We do lift up the country of Portugal today. We ask that you'd continue to build your church in that country. Thank you for the pastors that are serving. Thank you for those who are giving uh, everything they have to to reach people for the gospel of Christ. Pray that you'd use the church in Portugal just to be a a bright witness uh, to the people there. Father, and we do, do pray for Lindsay as she prepares to go to Nairobi, Kenya. Pray that you would use her in a very practical way, in a very special way, Lord. Help her, she uh, may be learning uh, Swahili. So just help her in all, the, all of her needs and prepare the way for her, Lord. You're so good to us. We pray for our church that we would be 
all about keeping our eyes on you this Christmas and, and forever, Lord. Keep us close to you. We pray that the word of God would be powerful today. Help it to reach down into our hearts. and pray that you would use it for your glory. We pray for the salvation of souls. And we thank you, Lord, that we can give. Lord, help us to be cheerful givers. Help us to love your work, love your ministry, and to give to it. We thank you for that privilege this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And come forward for the offering. I've announced this a few times over the last few weeks, but if you uh, feel led to give our pastors and staff, we usually take a love offering each year and then just divide it among them. And so if you'd like to give for that, if you feel called to do that, now's your last chance before Christmas. So anyways.
Let's rejoice in this king we've been given.
Let your glory reign, shining like the day, King of heaven, come. You may be seated. Hey kids, third grade and under can go to super church. Good morning to everybody. You know, I got to say this because... I just met a family that have been here several times that I haven't got a chance to say hi to yet. If you're new, I would love to get to know you. I'd love to meet you, at least know your name, get to know who you are, how we can help you. Uh, Usually when the services are over, I'm down front. If you want to come down front and introduce yourself to me, that would be awesome to me. But truly, I'd just love to get to know you and and get to be able to serve you any way I can. So let me not forget that. You know, I... I said this this morning, we sang this song, King of Heaven Come Down, King of Heaven Come Now, you know, let your glory reign. Um, and I said this, you know, would you be ready if you did? You know, I, most people say, well, sure, of course I would. But man, there's nothing casual about God. There's nothing casual about Jesus Christ. He doesn't show up and go, oh, I hope you'll like me. I hope you'll listen to me. I hope you'll worship me. That's, that's not who he is, right? If you, you want to pray and sing a song like that, King of Heaven, come down, go and read chapter 1 of Revelation as it describes Christ and all of his glory. We just did that in Sunday school this morning. You know, head and hair white like wool, and, you know, he's got this long gown on, this robe on with a gold stripe across it. His, his legs glow like burnished bronze, is a sharp sword that comes out of his mouth. And the voice, his voice sounds like the voice of many waters. And John, the disciple, who he describes himself in his gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loves, and he was laying on Jesus' breast at the Last Supper, he sees him and falls at his feet like a dead man. I mean, sometimes we go, oh yeah, King of heaven, come down. We, we want your presence. We do. Who doesn't want that? But are we really ready when he shows up? We really ready when he says, worship me? Are we really ready when he says, man, I'm coming in all my glory. I'm coming in all my, my splendor. I'm coming as king. We call him king, but we don't really want a king, right? I mean, do we really want Jesus? Because Jesus is a life changer. Jesus has expectations of us that we don't have of ourselves. Jesus is demanding. And yet at the same time, man, to have him in our life, to have his presence with us, There's nothing better in all the world than to stand in the presence of the living God and know that we're his. But man, I got to tell you, we got such a crazy thought about who God is, as if he's going to come and we're going to get to tell him what we want of him and tell him what to do for us. It's not the way that works, guys. We need to, if we really want Christ, we better be ready to serve. We better be ready to worship. Amen. Did you take any time this morning to prepare your heart for this? Did you take any time this morning and ask God, hey, Lord, I really want to hear from you today. I really need to hear from you today. I really need to come into your presence, Lord. So is there anything in my life that I need to confess and get rid of? Is there any action in my life I need to repent from and turn away from? Is there anything I need to do to get my heart ready for you to come and speak to me? Because, guys, you ought to do that every time you approach the Word of God. You ought to do that when you approach God through prayer. You ought to do that when you come to Bible study. You ought to do that when you come to worship. You ought to prepare, right? Because God's so good. 
And he has so much to say, but so often we're not actually meaning what we say when we see king of heaven come. As man, when he does come, he's king, not us, right? Well, turn over to Luke chapter one with me this morning. <clears throat> it's not really what my sermon's about, but it's good. It's awfully good because, man, when you read this sermon, when you read this passage of scripture, it's pretty, pretty crazy too. And it's going to speak to us, I pray, about really who we are and how we see what God wants to do in our lives because he does want to do something miraculous in us. And man, I hope we're ready for that, right? So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have... Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are excited about this time of year that we get to set aside time to worship you and to think about the gift of your son. Lord, it truly is the greatest gift anyone will ever receive. There's nothing that we could receive this Christmas that would compare to Christ, to his life, to his death, to his resurrection, to the salvation that he brings, to the peace and joy and security that he gives to all who would believe in him to the life, Lord, that he is. Help us, Lord, see you as you are. Help us be reminded of what you've done. Help us think about the miraculous things you want to do through us. And Father, for those that are here that don't know Christ, I pray that even today they'd trust you as their Lord and Savior, that they would find forgiveness in you, they'd find life in you, that they'd become your disciple and follow you for all the days of their lives. I pray you'll bless this time we have together, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So obviously, <clears throat> right, we're at Christmas time, and, and I just, I love to just think about these things, just to break them down in simple, understandable, miraculous, glorious ways. And this passage is, is pretty simple to, to think of. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, called Nazareth. No big deal, right? No big deal. The sixth month it's talking about is the sixth month that a woman named Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, is going to have a baby. She's six months along. 
But if you read the first part of Luke chapter 1, you'd find out that Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias were old, and they'd always struggled to have children. They'd never had children. She'd been barren, the Bible says, until this very angel comes and tells her husband, hey, your wife is going to be with child, and she's going to have a baby. You're going to call him John. He's going to be the forerunner of Christ. And so already God's been doing something miraculous. And now we read of Gabriel showing up in this little place called Nazareth in Galilee. And I mean, we read this stuff like it's just everyday stuff. An angel, Gabriel, right? Most of us, when we think about angels, we've got these little trinkets we set on our shelves somewhere and they're, they're pretty little things with wings and all this stuff. And we don't really think about angels, about anything that what they really are because the word in Greek, agalos, means messenger. So it really is this powerful statement that this messenger has showed up. This messenger from God. The significance is not that he's an angel. That's not a big deal to God. The significance of this angel is he has a message from God. He stood in the presence of God. He's heard what God has to say, and he's got something to say to this young woman, Mary, that we'll talk about in a minute. But what's really crazy about this is he shows up in Nazareth in Galilee. Now, if you know anything about your history, Galilee was in the north of Israel. It's where most of the pure Israelites that thought that they were the religious heroes of their country, most of them would never even go up to Galilee because they considered them to be half-breeds, uneducated, unimportant, you know, just leave those guys alone. We have all the influence and all the power. And so he goes to Nazareth in Galilee. And if you were from Galilee, you would have known that Nazareth is nothing. Nazareth was nothing. It wasn't a town that people thought of. It wasn't a town of influence. Matter of fact, when Jesus was calling his disciples, you know, one of them said, can anything good come from Nazareth? Because it was nothing. It was kind of a forgotten little village. I'll never forget the first time I was in Israel. We'd left Cana where he'd created, you know, turned water into wine and we're headed toward Nazareth. And I thought, this is going to be awesome. We're going to come over a hill and we're going to see these ancient houses and tents. And it's going to be, it's going to be like it was in Jesus's day. Well, it wasn't. (laughs) Highway ran through it and there was running water and there was electricity and it wasn't anything like what I had pictured it was going to be. Well, most of the time for us, Nazareth is something that wasn't true in the Bible either. He went to a remote, obscure, unimportant, inconsidered place called Nazareth. Now, I don't know about you, but that begins to get pretty important to me. I mean, it's really important to me because let's just be honest. Some of us are from some pretty remote places. I'm from a place called Fairbury, Illinois. You ever heard of it? You've heard it from me, maybe. I know plenty of people from Illinois that when I tell them where I'm from, they're like, where's that at? And it's not even the smallest place in Illinois. It's way bigger than some of the places in Wyoming. And I want you to know that there's not a lot of people in the U.S. that have any regard for Wyoming. And they certainly don't know where even Casper is. Did you know that? That people outside this state have no regard for Casper, Wyoming? I mean, when, when I got this 
call from Lloyd Underwood saying, hey, would you consider coming to be the pastor of College Heights Baptist Church in Casper, Wyoming? I'm like, I don't know. How about you let me get a map out and find out where Casper is? I literally laid a map on the floor with Beth and the kids, and we got around it and found Casper, and then we began to pray. Is this where you want us to go, Lord? Because where is it? And who lives there? And do they all still ride horses? Right? But you know, one of the things I thought about as I prepared for this morning was how humbling it is to know that God knows. He knew where Nazareth was. This little village wasn't forgotten by him. He knows where Casper is. I mean, there's been so many moments in my life that I can think back where it was so so blatantly obvious that I shouldn't be there. Uh, really, the first time was when I was sitting on this, like this little bench in front of this gypsy house and this little gypsy village on the Danube River. They're running cattle down the streets and they're driving donkey carts and there's no running water. There's no electricity in this village. And me and my partner out there sharing the gospel. And it's his turn to preach. And I'm just sitting there looking at all these people are listening to Christ. And it just dawned on me so much. How did this happen? How did I get here? How does a guy from Fairbury, Illinois get here? I remember one time Beth and I and several others on our first trip to Africa to Botswana We'd served in Botswana and then went down to this little game park in South Africa and the sun is setting in the west and we're on the savanna out in the middle of this game, you know, trip. We're just standing there in this beautiful sunset and it happened again. How do we get here? You walk into the Democratic Republic of Congo or you go into Vietnam or you take Bibles into China and you're like, how did this happen? How did it happen? I mean, I got to tell you, I mean, I'm nothing. I'm from nowhere. My dad loaded trucks for a living. My grandparents were farmers. But do you not know that God knows you? And do you not know that God knows where you are? And do you not know that God has this incredible plan an understanding for your life that you may not have ever considered and would never consider if it were not for the living God. Man, he first says, this messenger of God came to a remote little village that no one thought about to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And it gets even more personal, right? He shows up to speak to this virgin, this young lady. She was probably less than 16 years old. Her hopes and dreams were to become a wife, to have a family, to either work the land. We know that Joseph was a carpenter, so she would have been one working with him and taking care of her family and while that's absolutely awesome, in my opinion, Mary was just like every other young girl. She didn't see herself as special. I know some people today build her up and exalt her in ways that 
shouldn't be done. I mean, what's special in this passage of Scripture is God, right? Not the people, but God. But this angel came for her. I don't know about you. Have you ever thought to yourself, does anybody know me? Does anybody pay attention to me? Does anybody care about me? Is anybody aware of me? Do I mean anything to anybody? I know there are plenty of people asking that question today. There's so much grief and sorrow and heartache in our world today, in our nation today. So much suffering and suicide and depression. Guys, do you understand that he came to a young lady with no influence, with no education, that didn't have any money, that didn't have any power, that was just as common and as ordinary as I am, and as common and as ordinary as you are. He came to her. I don't know about you, but I find that to be amazing. I mean, whew. We really don't consider sometimes the depth of the love and the grace and the mercy and the knowledge and the plan and the purpose of our God. He is incredible and he knows us. Well, not only that, but as he comes in, he says to her, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. I got a feeling he probably said it with a little more exuberance. Like, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Right? I mean, this is God's messenger who stands in the presence of God, was dispatched by God to this young lady. And he saw her as far more than ordinary and insignificant because God had his eye on her. Right? And it's such a crazy statement that it says, but Mary was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Man, I love this. He says greetings, which is a normal way of greeting people in the Greek language, but he says favored one. This phrase is not that hard to figure out. It doesn't mean you're favored because of what you've done or what you have or what you can do. It means you're favored because I've chosen to favor you. In other words, what, what he says to you is that God favors you. That's incredible. I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, most of us, we kind of say we understand and we kind of say we believe, but, but we really struggle with that, don't we? I mean, how many of us actually think that the way to find God's favor is to do something over and over and over again to be good, to be right, to be significant, to make God notice us, to make God act on our behalf. And then if we do, he'll bless us. Isn't that kind of how we have it? I actually heard a guy say not too long ago that it, we kind of practice Christian karma, right? If we live good, God will bless us. And if we don't live good, God will curse us, right? Well, it's not completely true. Matter of fact, at the very base of it, it's not true at all, right? God shows us favor because God is good. That's what the birth of Christ is all about. Do you not know 
that the birth of Christ is God's gift to us. It is the Christmas present. There is no others. I mean, I'm sure you're going to get a gift this, this Christmas. I hope so. I'm going to get some gifts this Christmas. I'm going to give some gifts this Christmas. Love to give gifts at Christmas. Man, if I could give a gift, man, if I could give you a gift, if I had the power to give you the gift, it'd be Christ, right? Because God has shown his favor on sinful men and women who don't deserve it. I love John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was out of his love that he gave Christ to us, right? And 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. I mean, the just for the unjust is the part that gets me. Like, he came and gave his life, who was right and just for those of us who aren't. And so when we see this angel coming to Mary and say, Greetings, favored one, you and I, if we know Christ as Lord and Savior, you and I should be blown away. We should be blown away that somehow God, by his favor, not by our merit, by his love, not by our righteousness, has come to us to give us life. And you and I should rejoice in that. We should, we should think about that. I mean, it should spin in our minds. It should be considered in our hearts. It's something that we should turn to over and over and over again. Matter of fact, not only does he say favored one, but he says, God is with you. It doesn't mean may God be with you or I hope God will be with you. He says God is with you. He's here to be with you, to walk you through this life, to be in your presence, for you to be in his presence, for him to give you all that you need. God is with you. I mean, it was such a powerful statement to Mary that the Bible says when the angel said that to her, she was perplexed because she didn't understand what kind of salutation this was. Mary was like, what? What? You mean to tell me that this girl, this common, insignificant girl, this girl that has nothing to offer you, Lord, this girl that has no understanding of all the glories that you are, you mean to tell me that you have found favor in me, that you are with me? Man, I, I find that to be so compelling. I find that to be so encouraging I mean, of all the things that are true about Mike Cooper, that's true. Nothing, nothing, nothing about me would deserve his grace or his glory or his presence or his goodness. Not one thing. And yet, he loves me. And he gave me his son. And he changed my life. And then of all the things that should happen at Christmas and every day, by the way, is for us to give consideration to this glorious God who somehow by his grace saw us and cared about us. But oh my goodness, man. <clears throat> we don't get too excited about Jesus sometimes, do we? He's so common to us. His gospel is so insignificant to us that when, when we think about Jesus and serving him and living for him, we're more like, yeah, you know, when I get time, 
if I can find my way to nod my head, I'll, I'll worship you. No, folks, that's not the way it should be. Do you not realize that if Christ is your Savior, if your sins have been washed away, you have been given a gift that is so much more glorious Man, if you could have a million dollars this Christmas, that'd be nothing compared to this gift. If you could get the new car that you thought you'd wanted, that'd be nothing compared to this gift. If you could have the house that you've dreamed up and built yourself and you could live in it happily ever after, or at least till you die, it wouldn't compare to this. And let me read to you a passage that is just, is just so sweet and helps us understand this a little better. Ephesians 2, 1 through 9, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. <coughs> But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. No one, no one may boast. The salvation that we have is this rescue. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We walked in the, the lusts of our flesh like everybody else did, and we were by nature children of wrath. God's wrath, but God being rich in mercy. But God being rich in mercy, right, saves us because he loves us, because he wants us, because he wants to have a relationship with us. He comes to the ordinary. He comes to the sinful. He comes to the unexpected. He comes to those that, that, they wonder, why would he come to them? And he calls them to himself, just like he does Mary. And man, you and I today should be somewhat perplexed. I love that. We should be considering why. Why would God said, say, greetings, favored one? Why would the angel say, God's with you? Why? What do we deserve from that? We don't deserve a thing. But we should, in response to that, worship. Shouldn't we? And I'm not just talking about singing. I'm talking about worshiping. I'm talking about giving our life. I'm talking about giving our love. I'm talking about following. I'm talking about rejoicing. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about serving. I'm talking about worshiping. Like, Lord, here's my life. Here's my life. I want to follow you. Man, this Christmas time ought to be a time, I pray, for all of us to be renewed to that joy of, look, he came for me. He knew me. He drew me. He showed favor to me. 
Man, I, I know that we make all kinds of excuses today. I've had this in my past. I've had that in my past. People haven't been nice to me. People have been wicked to me. Man, I've been kicked around. I've been mistreated. Man, I've had this problem, this relationship, and blah, blah, blah. Everybody has. Just so you know, everybody has. Everybody's been betrayed. Everybody has had their life treated like garbage. Everybody has. But everybody also has been created by God who sent his son to die on the cross for them that they might know love everybody. Everybody. And man, he won't ever, he won't ever stop loving you. And he won't ever betray you. And he won't ever let you down. He will be your savior. Hallelujah. Well, he wasn't done. That's just like his intro. So he goes on after she's perplexed and he says, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. I'm not gonna spend much time on that, but let me just say this. If you have found favor with God, do not be afraid. If he's shown you his love, if you know him as savior, you don't have to be afraid. He's got you, he loves you, he won't leave you. Do not be afraid. And then, I love this, because he's getting her ready. He says, don't be afraid. Oh, by the way, you will behold, or behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Then he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. While you're thinking about being afraid, don't be afraid because I've got seven promises here. Predictions, if you will, of what's going to happen to you and who this boy is that you're going to have. Now, just so you know. Right, this is God. He has plans for people that are a little bit outside our bounds. And those plans are for us too, by the way. Right, God has plans for us. Can you believe that? Are you afraid? Uh huh. I don't want you to be afraid, but listen to this. Here's these seven, if you will, predictions. The first one is that, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. Now, what did it say about her earlier? She's a virgin. She's never had sex. She's not married yet. She's not had sex with her husband. She's just engaged to him, promised to him. But she's a virgin. But the angel said, you will conceive and bear a son. Now, if you go back in chapter 1, Zacharias was told that his wife was going to have a baby, but they'd been married for a long time. So, okay, that makes sense. God's going to open my womb. We'll do the biological thing. We'll have a baby by God's hand, right? No, there wasn't going to be any biology for Mary. No, the angel says, you're going to have a child, though you're a virgin, and he's going to be a son. Second prediction was that you'll, you shall name him Jesus. Well, the angel doesn't really explain that for you and I in Luke here, but in, Ma in Matthew chapter 1, when he's talking to Joseph, 
He says in verse 21, he says, And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In other words, Mary would have known that. The angel says, first you're going to conceive and have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to be the Savior. He's going to save his people from his sin, from their sins. He's going to be the Messiah. Don't be afraid, Mary. <laughs> Don't be afraid, Mary. Third prediction, he'll be great. And I'm not talking about, oh, my baby's great. Look how pretty he is. Look how awesome he is. No, he's going to be great. Like God's great. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 17 says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. And in Titus 2.13, after Christ's resurrection, Titus writes, Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. He's going to be great. So he begins to explain things to her and begins to say to her, he's going to be the Savior. He's going to be great like God is great. Don't be afraid, Mary. Don't be afraid. Fourth prediction, <clears throat> he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Most High is just simply a description of God. It's one of my favorite descriptions of God. Lord, I'm yours and you're the Most High God. You can do whatever you want to, right? There is no God anywhere near you. You're the only one, most high. But what it really means when he says he'll be the son of the most high God is he's going to be the son of God. He's going to be divine. He's going to be God. Don't be afraid, Mary. The fifth prediction was the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. This was a messianic prediction that all of Israel would have known. God had promised that David would never lack an heir upon the throne that he sat upon. And everybody was looking for that one ruler, that one king that would be forever king in Israel. And the angel says to Mary, oh, by the way, your son is going to be that king, the king of kings. And predictions six and seven are very similar. The first one is he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And the second, his kingdom will have no end. What he says is this baby that you're going to have in your womb, he's going to be the one that's the Lord of lords and king of kings over all of Israel, God's chosen people. But that won't be the end of it. His kingdom will have no end. It'll spread out over all the kingdoms of the earth, and it will never end. Don't be afraid, Mary. I'm about to do something in you and through you. It's going to change the history of the world forever and ever. You're going to be the mother of the Savior, the Messiah, the Great One, the Glorious One, the One Ruler for all times. Don't be afraid. Isn't that awesome? Isn't it awesome when God comes into our life and says, Hey, greetings, favored one. The Lord's with you. And then he goes, Oh, by the way, I'm going to do something in you and through you that you couldn't even imagine. And most of us go, yes, Lord, send me. Don't we? Man, I was telling this morning, it just rolled through my mind. We were just praying this morning about upward basketball. We got well, 344 kids, I think, signed up, more than we've ever had before. So we need about 35 to 38 teams. And then probably about 
70 to 80 coaches. So who's ready? Who's ready? Because, you know, I, I love it. We, we talk about this. Aaron talks about this. He's like, it's all this, this, this strange process to get coaches, you know. And he says, I'll talk to somebody and say, hey, you coached last year. You want to talk, you know, coach this year? And the answer is, well, let me, let me, uh, let me talk to my wife. Let me talk to my husband. Let me, let me bow out of here before you coerce me into doing something. Right? Come on, isn't that true for some of us? Some of us go, I don't have enough time. Listen, it's about two hours a week. It may bleed into three, but you could make it less than three hours a week. You have time. You know what part of our problem is sometimes? As we just don't think we can do it. I mean, some of the excuses that we make are, well, I don't know how to coach basketball. That seems to be legit until you read passages like this, right? I don't like kids. <laughs> Come on, get over yourself. You were a kid and somebody put up with you, right? I mean, I don't care what your excuse is. The truth of the matter is, is that God oftentimes calls us to these great and glorious things. And I'm not just talking about coaching basketball. Man, sometimes I'm talking about going to Portugal and doing a mission trip or going to Zambia and doing a mission trip or, or teaching in a school or teaching Sunday school or leading a Bible study at your work or talking to somebody about Jesus. You pick it, but we all kind of go, you know what, man, God doesn't really expect us to do great and mighty things that are beyond ourselves. And it's just not true. Man, if he has favor upon you and he's called you to be his, then he has these purposes for your life that are big and powerful and life-changing. Man, it might be adopting children. And I know some of you, you cringe at that because you go, I've seen people that adopt children. It's tough. It's tough. I've adopted one. That was enough. Now, you guys think that's funny. I'd do it again, but I'd only do it if God was in it. But I'd do it again. You'll make it. But, but where are we when it comes to the understanding of this great God who would speak to us and seek us out and call us favored ones where are we in this understanding that as he calls us to himself, he wants us. He wants us. He doesn't just want us to be his Lord. He doesn't want to become our puppet. That's not who God is. He's God. If he has favor on us, he calls us to himself. He wants us to live for him. He wants us to give ourselves for him. So he tells Mary, hey, you're going to have a child, and it's going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's going to be the Savior and ruler of this world. That's what you're called to. And Mary, man, all she can say is, how can this be since I'm a virgin? She's not questioning about whether God can do this or not. She's literally saying, how will this happen? I'm a virgin. It can't be possible. 
I mean, she's thinking like most of us think that God works inside of all the science and he works inside of all the biology and that he's constrained by our understanding and by our intelligences, by our educational systems and all the things that we think that God's constrained to be. He's not. He works outside of those things. He's above those things. He created those things. And he can do in us things that we couldn't even fathom or imagine him doing But man, so many of us actually believe that, man, if God calls us to do something, then we've got to have a full grasp on that. We've got to have a control over that. We've got to understand that. We've got to search it out. We've got to study. I still love some young pastors. They're like, man, I think God's calling me to be a pastor, but man, I got to go to Bible college. I got to go to seminary. And I got to be, no, you don't. Nope. Nope. You can serve God. Not that I'm the picture of all things, mind you. I mean, I had never been to Bible college before I started pastoring a church. Never been to seminary. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I loved Jesus, right? And I thought that'd be enough. Turns out, it was. <laughs> Shocking. I remember turning the key on my first church, literally opening the door. First day, new pastor. Saying, oh Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have a clue. I don't have any clue. But Lord, I'll follow. Oh, he's been so good. So good, right? Mary says, how can this be? You say, how could I ever coach a basketball team? How could I ever lead a Bible study? How could I ever witness to the guy at work? How could I ever speak up or stand up or live my life for you, Lord Jesus? And listen to what he says to Mary. I love this because he doesn't try to help her insecurities a little bit. He just says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Let me explain it to you, Mary. God's going to do something in your life. That's what he says. How many of you, if God said that to you about doing whatever we've talked about, how many of you be like, but Lord, I need more than that. Lord, show me. Teach me the biology. Teach me what you're going to do. How many of us won't take God at his word and believe that he is God and can do whatever he wants to do because we just think somehow our minds are so big that we can explain him and control him and know that he must live underneath our great understanding. We're not that big and we're not that smart. Nothing pleases me more than when somebody tells me, oh, I'm so smart, I know there's not a God. Sweet. How about we have a slight discussion about what you know and what you don't know? I'm happy to talk to you about that. Because my God that has loved me and protected me and used me in ways I could never describe. My God has been better to me and more ferocious and fearless and powerful than I could even tell you after it's happened. I'm not afraid of you questioning my God because he's got you too, whether you know it or not. Amen? He tells Mary, very simply, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. That means the Holy Spirit is going to come visit you and influence your life. 
He's going to work in you and through you. That's what it means to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. That means he's going to come and he's going to be a presence in your life. And he's going to work this out in a way that no one can even understand. And I don't know about you, but I celebrate that. I have grown to the place where I don't care anymore if people fully understand who my God is. I'm going to talk to them about his glory, whether they understand it or not, because it's still true, whether they believe it or not. So why would I not just tell them, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to take care of me? I, 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 I literally will never forget how many people were crying the first time we were going into Congo. We're leaving the church on a Sunday. I'll never do it again. It was the most foolish thing I've ever done. We're all, there's only a few of us going into the Congo, but they're all standing outside weeping for us. Please come back. Please come home. Please don't die. Man, I'm not afraid of dying for one thing, and I plan on coming home. I have a God going with me. Actually, I'm going with him. What is there to be afraid of? Now, was I afraid a few times in Congo? Many times. Did my God protect me? Every time. Did he give me peace? Every time. Did he overcome? Every time. Man, don't you think for a second that it's not enough for the Holy Spirit to come into Mary's life. He was going to give a baby to Mary because he's God. And the crazy thing about that, and I love this, for that reason, right? And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. Because God overshadowed her, because God impregnated her, because God created this baby in Mary's womb, there was no earthly father, but God was the father. Not like Mary was the mother. God and Mary did not have sex. The people say that all the time. It drives me crazy. It's so offensive. No, God created this baby because God's God. He created the world as we know it. He can certainly create a baby and a woman. And because of that, it says, the holy child shall be called the son of God. That means he's divine. He's God's son. He was born in the flesh through Mary, fleshly mother, born of God, spiritual father. And because of that, he was unlike any other human being that ever walked this earth. He was without sin. He was God. And so in order to be the sacrifice for our sins, he had to be that. And God did what could not be done through Christ Jesus. And he gave him to us. Isn't that incredible? What a gift, right? What about you? Can God do in your life what can't be explained or reasoned away? Sure can. Will you let him? Will you trust him? Will you believe in him? King of heaven, come down. King of heaven, come now. Let your glory reign. Shining like the day. Is that what you want? If you want him to come, he's coming. Happy to come, but he's coming as God. He's coming as God and he wants us to know him. Well, I'll finish quickly, I promise. It says, and behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month for nothing will be impossible with God. So the angel says, man, God's going to put this child in you because he's God. He can do it. And just so you know, he's already done it in Elizabeth, who was old and now in her sixth month. 
Because nothing with God is impossible. Nothing's impossible to God. And Mary's response is profound and beautiful. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. You know what she says to him? I'm your slave. I'm your slave. Lord, you're my master. So whatever you want from me, you do it. I trust you. Here I am, Lord. Just doing me what you want. And the angel says, my job is done here. See you later. And he leaves. Listen, Christmas, it's not casual, is it? This isn't just some other day to watch football. This isn't just some other day to overeat. This isn't just some day to be so worldly that you're offended that you didn't get whatever gift you thought you were going to get. Or so proud that when your kid looks at the really expensive gift you bought them and starts playing with the cardboard box that you ought to be offended by them. Don't be ridiculous. Christmas is about the greatest present ever given. The glorious God did an unspeakable work to bring his son into this world that he might live a sinless life and die willingly on a cross to save sinners like you and me. And he rose again on the third day that all might know that he's the one. There's only one Savior. It's Jesus Christ. And he offers that salvation to all of us. And if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, why not renew that kind of awe and wonder? You did that for me? You chose me? You saw me where I was? Drew me? Lord, I love you. Why don't we return to that sweet love of that joyous salvation we've been given? If you're here and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, why not today say, I'm your bond slave. Here I am, Lord. I need you. I want you. Forgive me of my sins. I'll follow you anywhere you want me to go. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you follow Jesus, your life will be radically transformed. You'll be so blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power and the truth of your word that resonates in our lives, speaks to us, Lord, in ways that, that nothing else can speak. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, <coughs> for the incredible truth of Christmas, what you've done for us, given us the greatest present that anyone could ever receive. <coughs> I pray, Lord God, for the lost to believe today, believe in Jesus, trust him as their Savior, and receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And I pray, Lord God, for each believer here today to be renewed and encouraged and blessed and transformed to rejoice and to worship and give you glory. Lord God, you deserve it, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand, let's sing. Our pastors are down front. We'd love to visit with you and pray with you. The first Noel, the angels did sing, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay, in fields where they
have a seat for a second would you please max lynn you want to come up here now you got sat down perfect timing (laughs) you can call her what you want to but i'm not um so i want to share something this morning with you um max and lynn have been praying about this for a while max and i have been praying about this for a while but uh Uh, God has been preparing them to move and to serve in a different way. And so um, January 1st, they're going to go down to Alma, Colorado. It's a little town up by Breckenridge on the backside of the mountain. And uh, they've already extended the call to Max and Lynn. So they're going to go down and preach to them. And I don't know that it's a completely done deal yet, but it sure looks like it's headed that way. And so rather than trying to announce this next week on Christmas, we're going to just let that be about the Lord. But we wanted you to, to know that that's what's taking place because we want to be still involved with their lives, right? We want to pray for them and seek God's will for them and to help them walk through whatever processes God leads them to and to just love them and literally to send them off. If God calls them, then we want to be a part of that. And I know there's all kinds of emotions sometimes that go on. Be careful with your emotions, right? If God calls, we want them to go. We don't want to hinder them, so be careful. Uh, We can grieve in the appropriate way or celebrate in the appropriate way. Uh, Good riddance, but uh, whatever that might be, you know, I knew Max long before they came up here, and (laughs) 
I'm going to know him a lot longer afterwards. So I'm not going to lose my brother, and you won't either. But but let's pray about this. Let Max share a little bit. You want to use a mic? Yeah. I'm a Colorado has been uh, without a church for 50 years. And four families came together, saw an old church building there, and God put it on their hearts to start a church about a year and a half ago. Is that right? little less. And so there are uh, neighboring pastors that have been helping them out. But they started uh, praying and they've been sitting on this for a while with my resume. And they went into 40 days of prayer and fasting. And during that Saul time, yeah, well, they, it shocked them and yeah, undid them. Yeah. So they, uh, they came to the conclusion that, that I need to be their pastor. And so that's where we are. We're going to go down. They've never heard me preach except for on video. And, um, so I'm going to go preach. We're going to see if that's what God wants. And you are joining God in him calling me here. And so you need to be joining God in what's next. If that's sending us, then we need you to be praying and involved in that. And, and, uh, man, I could, you better take this mic cause I'm going to keep going. All right. We have a video somewhere of him rapping. That's not the one they saw. That might've finished the deal. Yeah. You know, um, I'm thankful for Max and Lynn in ways I can't even describe to you. And I mean that. So, uh, we're going to pray, right? Seek the Lord, walk well. So let's pray. Lord God, I truly am thankful for Max and Lynn, for their lives, Lord, that they have lived for you for many, many, many years, for their desire to obey you, to walk humbly with you, to serve you, to share the gospel with others, that others might know you, uh, literally to give their lives away in every area, at every demand, thank you for them. I ask that you would give them guidance and grace as they go down to Alma on the first. Lord, may your will be done there. Uh, the uniqueness of this location in many ways fits the gifts that you've given Max and Lynn in such spectacular ways that how can we do anything but get excited about this? But Lord, Lord, we pray you guard them and protect them in the areas that they need that from. Make them aware of what they need to know. And, and if you continue to call them and if they prepare to go, then Lord, may you send them for your glory and use them powerfully in Alma and the surrounding areas. And may we just love them and walk with them through this and encourage them, Lord God, and, and give you the glory for what you do. Thanks for letting us be here this morning. We love you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.